That's fine. Our buddy uh, Callum Pilot is here. He's even requested to speak. What? No way. Hello. You know, it's funny. I, I spoke to Callum over the weekend, and he uh, he just talked about how this is the greatest pleasure he gets out of being an IndyCar is joining us on the show. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> uh, I love it when you lie to me, Callum. And we got our guy, the Kyle uh, uh, Montavious Kirkwood here. Um, we got all kinds of folks. This is a blast. Is that the Marley and Me star? It is. Childhood actor. It's actually Axel. That, that was the name. Uh, look at that. He's finally... Finally conceding that he was indeed a child. So can I, can I tell you what's funny is our friend Christy sent me a, a picture. I had uh, We had dinner at Barber with her and her boyfriend, Zach Beach, myself. And after dinner, she sent me a text message. And it was a picture of the similar thing, like right with the Google um, search of, of, of Zach. And it says, author, you know, things I wish I knew before turning 16. And she was like, look, it's just like Kyle in the Marley and Me movie. And I was like, no. He actually wrote that book. Uh, that is just a high achievement lad. Uh, I love us some Zach Beach. You see, so. who's, do you see who's here, by the way? Well, you tell me who. The man, the myth, the legend. He's like a seven handicap. Ben Bretzman. You know what else Ben Bretzman does really well? Ben Bretzman also makes decisions to go for a three-stopper and full send it at Barber. And... Uh, that works out well too. He uh, he did just that. Let me send him another invitation to speak here. Asked our guy, Ace Race Engineer of the uh, thir- thirstiest three IndyCar ever, uh, the Benjamin Bretzman. Um, so we did miss a national holiday last week, folks. It was International Rick Mears Day the other day. Happy belated birthday to the Rocket. Oh. How did we miss that? that? An absolute, we're falling an absolute apart. legend. And um, you know that that's really it. Like uh, that was all we missed last week. There was no drama, no no nothing crazy happening, nothing to really speak of. Show's over. Goodbye. By far the most boring show we've ever had was last week. Jeez. Oh, <laughs> all because of Ryan Caminiti and. Uh, Ranch ice dressing, uh, ice cream, Jesus, ranch dressing, ice cream. He mentioned that, and the show was just broken for the next time. To be fair, it was, it was, to be fair, it was actually started by Cassie by texting Ryan and I in a group chat saying, How many times can you say taquitos during the show? And everything went downhill from there. Kyle, uh, Kyle and Callum, are you guys in? On the uh, the IndyCar driver bingo routine, by the way, of, of trying to mention all the crazy different words that uh, they're coming up with in interviews and whatnot, because I tried to get that going last year and it fell apart. But I know Brian Simpson and uh, New Garden and some of those people, uh, they have indeed come up with the uh, secret IndyCar driver bingo card. Um, are you guys in on that at all? No, I'm not. I'm not at all. It's it's funny that you mentioned that. I didn't know who was kind of running that thing, but now that you say it's Brian that's doing it, that makes a lot of sense. Um, obviously, there's a few of them on the NBC broadcast that are trying to get some phrases in. I don't, I don't know if there's some kind of challenge between them or whatnot, but it's been pretty comical. 
No, I'm not either. But I, I tell you, there, there was another one I found out a bit earlier in the season, which was the outlap challenge. Um, so it, it's, uh, it, it's where a few drivers put some money down before every weekend and see who can do the fastest first lap out on track. Um, I don't know anything about yeah, this. Yeah, well, I, I'm not in this because I don't think it's, it's too risky for me to, to do at the moment. Um, but there's a few. I, I, I can chime in on this. I can chime in on this. This started in the Penske Engineering Office uh, <laughs> end of last end of last year between the bus bros. Um, who can do it? First started as first timed lap, and then they moved it into first fastest first outing lap, uh, and then it. It branched out from uh, the beginning of the season into more drivers um, starting at thermal. Yeah, but your your outlaps were ridiculous at thermal. I think Scott's one was like three seconds quicker than anyone's, and we he didn't know the track. There, there was big cash money. <laughs> well, well, where does it? So where does the timeline start? Is it start right at the pit out, and then it's just to the start no, finish line or the all timeline? Yeah, first first line lap. Okay, so it is first time lap. That's, yeah, first that's, time lap. Yeah. Installs don't count. Oh man, I gotta get in on this. That sounds like some fun. We do it on the simulator all the time, but never actually in real life. You're right; it does sound pretty risky. Is this Very. legal? I'm just curious. Like, is this legal? Why not? Send Why it. It's it been be? approved by. It's been approved by the sponsor union. It's well, monopoly it's, money. But it's not his money. But Ben. Is this like real money we're talking about here? Like, at least give us a digit count. Three digit, four digit. I mean, is this really worth it? Because that's an expensive car to uh, to chuck. Yeah, that, that's the trouble. The ratio is not good enough <laughs> for how much a wing costs or anything else. Yeah. All right. Well, I do, I do love the idea. But it also makes me think, guys, that, you know, the the bingo word stuff in the the outlap challenge shouldn't just be reserved for the big penske drivers and such i'm just saying there could be a whole like subculture of this going on um with newer drivers like yourselves callum and good old kirk kirkwood so yeah i got ideas they're not good but i got ideas so we don't have to get you guys voted into their club just make your own dang club and do this yourselves i feel like they're very creative either they've got too much time or life is very easy in the Penske camp. But, yeah, I, I ain't got time for that, coming up with all those ideas. I ain't got time for that. All right, there. Um, hey, thanks, everybody, for joining in, by the way. Our uh, little weekly gathering here, Mondays at 8 Eastern, 5 Pacific. Uh, it's no longer the hashtag Racing Family Show. We just call it the Racing Show, Racing Family Show. Uh, big thank you to all of you for joining in, and we do have a lot of fun, and uh, we're going to try and keep having more fun. Let's just say a big thank you as well to Cooper Tires, the Justice Brothers, and Discount Tire for supporting all we do here, along with TorontoMotorsports.com. So, Kaloom and Kyle, I want to learn more about your days at Barber, but before we do that, Mr. Wheeler, I want to learn a little bit more from our man Ben Bretzman about how you guys were seemingly the most flexible entry in the field. You were on a three-stop, but it looked like you were on a two-stop at some points uh, because nobody else in three-stop world was really even capable of matching 
what your boy Scotty McLaughlin was able to do on track. That was massively impressive. Um, how'd you do it? Give us all the secrets. Well, it's, yeah, not much secret other than just he didn't want to get bored during the race, so we just wanted to do something different. Um, <laughs> we, yeah, it's you know, it kind of for us like going into the weekend, we we knew um based off the first few races um you know where where were we pace wise where were we you know fuel mileage wise where were we tire deg wise um you know not necessarily on on permanent low course but at least on street courses and kind of had somewhat idea and, and based on where we qualified like we're like well how you know honestly we were trying to figure out how we were going to get around at the point at the time how were we going to get around the 10 car because he was extremely good last year on fuel save went a lot further than everyone overcut the daylights out of everyone last year. Um, so our mind was, well, how do we, how do we get past him? Right. He's right in front of us starting second. How do we get ahead of that car? Much less, you know, Pato and, and, and Roman. Right. But obviously the 10 did a really good job last year. So, uh, you know, we just made a decision of start on, start on the primaries and, and see what happens. Right. Like uh, we can, we can push those guys ahead of us, see if we can make them burn more fuel. Um, if we can't get around them, we can save fuel. Um, the way the amount of cars that started the, the really amount of cars that started saving fuel early made the, made the race kind of string out pretty quickly. Right. No one was really challenging after about lap seven or eight. And so then it was like, well, hell let's just go. Right. Cause it, you know, the odds of a yellow are pretty low right now because everyone's trying to get a number. The tire deck's bad. When the tire deck starts getting bad for the three stoppers, no, you know the drivers don't want to get around each other because they're just trying to hang on and save dump fuel. And so we just kind of put our heads down and said, "Let's see what happens." Right? And the the lap time just started to come incredibly good to us at the end of that first stint. Uh, at times we were a second and a half to two seconds a lap faster, um, while also ripping through traffic. Um, you know, you could see even when, when Stingray has, you know, when he, uh, extinguished, extinguished the fire there, um, we were, we came out at the blend line with Roman, right? So, uh, yeah, the lap time Delta was huge, the kind of the first third to half of the race. Um, we made almost the entire stop up there. Uh, so, it, you know, it just worked out well, um. IndyCar, you know, obviously thanks to them, they they stuck to their guns. The same thing they've been doing last year, and same thing this year, right? When the car is in a safe position, they gave everybody a chance, so it saved all the three stoppers. And then we had just probably could show at the end, but like it, honestly, it, it's funny. Like I'm I'm glad that you know somebody did it. At least at least we were the ones that got to take advantage of it because I think it would have been unfortunately a pretty boring race if somebody else had done something. You know, the thing that really jumped out as to how impressive the run was for you and Scotty, looking at the end of the race, obviously Roma having to uh, save fuel, um, was able to get by him there. He ran long, locked the brakes into five, kind of made it a little bit easier for Scott to get by. But the, the driver that really highlighted that amazing work the two of you did in that opening stint was Will Power. And if you look at Will in that final stint, especially the closing laps, keep in mind you're on a three stop, but you know barely, 
barely into the two thirds point of the race, you're already there, caught up and uh, and equal with Groschamp. But you look at what Power did, and you know he had a massive, uh, massive gap to draw down towards the end of the race. That told you how much different you two races were between these two, three stopping teammates. But it also spoke to, and maybe Kyle, I think you were on a two-stop. I apologize if I'm wrong. But it also spoke to how much uh, some of the leading two-stoppers had to save fuel. Having to hit almost four miles per gallon will, and again, I'm not making light uh, of what he did, but there were just a lot of sitting ducks on two-stop strategies, and Will was able to just go sailing right on by. But uh, the fact that there was such a gap between Scott and Will uh, going into that final stint, uh, just again, further proved how much amazing work the two of you did with that three car. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that, I think it highlights that, but it also highlights, you know, I do not take anything away from Roman. I mean, he, the pace that he did to get the fuel number that he did was better than anyone in the field by far. Um, we kept just running them hard to run them out of fuel, basically. And he was running hard to try to run us out of tires. And we pulled a huge gap to the field. And the fact that, yeah, he had to pit a lap earlier than everybody else on the last uh, stop for him. But he, he, that was an impressive stint by him to do what he did to try to, to, try to stay in the game. Um, yeah, I, yeah, don't take anything away from him either. That was, that was really, really good uh, yeah, what he I was able to do. Ben, I think there was, from where I was watching this weekend, I started the week in turn two, ended up going to the backstretch, and I found it shocking how many people couldn't connect the the difference and kind of balance between the primary tires and the alternate red tires, um, but maybe five or six cars in the race, right? In practice, in turn two, the first time we put on FP1, we've ever put on reds. Literally every single car on track shipped it off in a turn two for three or four laps and just completely lost the front. And I thought, okay, well, everybody's now experienced it. Maybe they'll, they'll back that up and they'll, they'll figure it out. I think only about five or six cars in the race managed to be able to have a car that they had good pace on, on both tires. And you guys, I mean, you guys obviously did it well. Yeah. Yeah. And I, from our camp, that was, you know, we thought that was our van. We thought we were the fastest car on primaries. We thought all weekend, um, we showed it in qualifying. Every time we went out on, on primaries and qualifying, we were the fastest and we just messed up our lap in Q3, unfortunately. But, um, that's a big deal, right? Trying to get the balance correct. And Barber is such a, you, the rear tires are there instantly at Barber and it takes a while for the fronts to come in. And so trying to find a car that, that can basically, rotate enough and, and get enough uh proper rotation done you know on the first two laps of a stint so that you, you're not dying on on primaries because that's why the overcut was so powerful even last year um your front tires just aren't ready on the primaries for the first couple laps and so you're you're just slow so if you can find a way to to manage that and there's there's you look up and down at the cars and how people are running them there's different ways to do it too, which is also really cool to see. You see guys running, you know, big rear bars and, and not a lot of front arrow. You see guys running small rear bars and a lot of front arrow. You see guys doing a lot of different ways and just trying to find that whole complete package and, and how to get the car up is, is, uh, um, 
Definitely a key there. Definitely a key. Yeah, I, another thing I found kind of interesting was, you know, we never really hit that big group of lap traffic like I think we've seen in the past on road courses. Um, maybe it was the time of the yellow, kind of give that thing a bit of a reset, but there were still some cars when the two to three stop strategy was playing out that were wreaking havoc. Like at the end of the day, Malukas didn't have the pace to run up front much, but yet he and Grosjean found each other just banging wheels multiple times as cycles would happen early. And I feel like some of that interaction, I loved it because it was able to kind of keep everybody in check to give everybody kind of that opportunity. I'm anxious to see what it, what it would have been like to play out if we hadn't had the yellow, but um, I mean, honestly, the, the yellow, I mean, it helped us, but the yellow honestly would have made it, without the yellow, would have made it a lot easier for us. Um, a, a, a tremendous amount easier for us, right? Because not, Grosjean was able to save a, a good chunk of fuel under that yellow. Um, so he could burn more to try to try, try to battle us more. Whereas we weren't planning on pitting yet, right? We had just passed Joseph and we were going to go and extend that gap out. So we were going to clear Grosjean after our pit stop and uh, it would just set sail. Um, so we probably would have won by a decent margin. Um, so the yellow kind of brought everybody back together, like you said. And, um, it's just, you know, the timing of that. And yeah, it, the, I think ultimately, like I said earlier, it's just, that's a, that's a big fuel number to hit and trying to get, trying to save the tires and hit that number. It's, it kind of, I don't guys remember 2012, but now it's completely different racetrack, but 2012 at Texas, right? We ran ultra, ultra, ultra low downforce. Uh, you know, there it's like, the cars are so sketchy and it's so hard. The drivers don't even want to get close to each other. <laughs> well, in this case, right, there's they're saving fuel and trying to get the number because the timing stand guys are yelling at the driver so much to give some sort of number. But you also want to race, but then you got to watch the tire dig, and it's just difficult, right? And it's difficult to get yourself in a, a proper race mode, right? So, um, yeah, that's it's it's an interesting race. I think you know. It was, it was cool to watch it all kind of play out. And obviously there's been three stoppers have tried it in the past and the yellows have been the issue, but, um, yeah, I think Firestone did a good job of, with the tire. Cause this is basically the 2021 Barber tire, which is a little bit softer on the, on the alternate, and put a little bit of tire deck in there, which was good. Um, you know, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's always interesting when they're right on the, right on the verge of two to three stops, what happens. So, this is something that I've read about and I'd love to get your perspective on it. You know, obviously if it wasn't for guys and teams like you guys making that decision, just to put your head down and go, right. We have a pretty boring day at Barber, right. Where everybody knows, Hey, we can do it on two. And that's just what we're going to do. You're going to have a couple guys, maybe 15th on back that let's say, Oh, we're going to push for it. But it takes, it takes, man, it takes a lot of, kind of courage for a a front half team to make that decision to go off of what statistically is not, not work. Um, Let's talk about race links though, in general, in the sport, would you like to see some races, maybe add 10 laps, add 12 laps um, to make it more of like a, let's just let the fastest person go. Let's let the fastest guys run as hard as they can all day long. And that should be the winner. Or do you like this whole, well, we can push and gamble it, or they can save it. We also it. need to hear from our drivers, too, because 
Uh, yeah, I was gonna say like I'm, I'm probably gonna have a different opinion than the drivers. In Callum, <laughs> so. no, for sure. I want I want I want to hear this timing stand version of it with the driver version because I'm I'm confident they're gonna be different. Hey, remember the cars are getting heavier and there's still no power steering. So let let's take it a bit yeah. easy before we start adding another 10, 15 laps. I mean, I know some cars are easier to drive than others, but you know, I'm not in that boat. I'm. Uh, I, uh, <laughs> let me write this new headline. I lot calls for IndyCar to start. F1 style sprint races. Uh, no, I don't like those standard. No, no, no. We've got, to, we've got to find a happy medium here, but it's it's getting it's, you know you're you're pushing your luck with another hundred and something pounds of weight. It's already heavy as it is. Idlot asks IndyCar to change race to Indy 50. There we go. We're we're cutting 450 miles off. I mean, Indy. Callum, it couldn't have been that bad yesterday. My driver. Went 26th to 11th and didn't even use his drink bottle once. I didn't use my cool suit. I had it on and I didn't use it. It wasn't. It wasn't that bad. But you know, you're gonna you're gonna have someone in the field at one one time not be able to turn or pass out, and then we're we're gonna have a little issue. I think. By the way, Wheeler, your driver who I asked to join us, that being Marcus Armstrong, uh, politely declined. And I think this might be a lie. It felt like a lie. Uh, he said he uh, first he said uh, he, dinner he had dinner to go to and then he said he he was going on a date. Now I did confirm no, confirm no, with him it's real. it was with a human. So that part it's I'm real. Ha- really all right okay he's on holiday with a friend. It's, it's all real. right on holiday. I mean. He was just in frickin' Alabama these, yesterday. Look, these 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 new modern IndyCar drivers, Marshall, anytime you tell them there's a weekend off that they don't have to be at a racetrack or a simulator, they just call it a holiday and they go somewhere away from where they live to hang out with Brownsburg. People. Chris, that's also you. That's different. Yeah, where are you, though. Chris, right it's now? It's not different. I'm in Indiana, oh, okay. um, but the weather's not helping my golfing, so I guess it's simulator golf this week. What about you, Ilot? Are you uh, are you d- vacationing at all, or are you enjoying the uh, the weather stylings of Central Indiana? That's a great question. Right now, I am I'm freezing uh, in Indiana, uh, but this weekend I might I might head over to your part of the country, mate. Well, that's good. I was going to say, or Kirkwood would probably welcome you, right? You can go spear fishing or something with uh nature boy here well i am uh i'm also blessed by indiana's fantastic may 1st weather um it has been very very miserable all day and uh but fortunately i get to go back to florida tomorrow um where i will be working all week at the f1 grand prix with auto nation and, and whatnot so I won't be able to go spearfishing. Um, I probably won't even see the ocean, but at least I'll be in That's Florida. That's right. I got an email today that you and others affiliated with Auto Nation and whatnot are all going to be. Uh, I love how you put that. You're going to be working at the Miami Grand Prix. Like I'm thinking, you're going to be parking cars or something like that. But um, what about you, Callum? Are you going to be down there being uh, awesomely European and someone who? Probably still has lots of friends and relationships uh, in F1. I have lots of friends and relationships that you know I, I'm not in contact with. Um, so no, I'm 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 not. I'm gonna I'm gonna actually give it a miss. Um, 
I I might go to Austin later in the year and catch up with those relations. Um, and I might go to Vegas for Vegas, you know, and not catch up with anyone. Look at that. Uh, fun in Las Vegas, debauchery, uh, all-you-can-eat buffets. What's the attraction there? Um, fun. To be fair, I did try and volunteer to be the fat guy in his group. Because, like, every group that goes to Vegas just has a fat guy. Like, it's part of, like, a thing. It's a culture, vibe. And I volunteered, and the island told me no. I thought I thought Marcus said that you were big bone. I also told Marcus I've never seen a skeleton with a double chin. <laughs> Have you seen one with a triple chin? No more than a singular one. <laughs> wow. And, and, and since And since... Our show here, the Racing Family Show, has been where I've officially made my public apologies in the past. I need to publicly apologize to Mr. Callum Islet for spilling his Coke all over him at dinner. Yeah, thank you for that. It was very nice. Uh, my leg was sticky by the time I got back to the, the hotel. And then he poured the Coke on it. I mean, this is just, this is <laughs> oh, not shit. good, I love. Right, I'm leaving. That was bad. Hey, that was bad. Hold on. So, I want to learn about your race because I observed you being in many positions like the one where you started and then you went way back and then you went forward again and i believe you might have had a strategy change in terms of how many stops you were going to do maybe tell us about your day man because it seemed like you did a lot to uh come back to general place where you started yeah, to to be honest, I, I didn't get the best of starts. I, I got kind of caught in a little bit of the mess in turn two. Like, that happened a bit in front, and I had a car on the inside trying to tap me. And then I had a car in front of me decide it was going to stop in the middle of the corner. So then I hit them, and so I lost two positions there. And then I went for a mega move on the curb into nine, so around the outside. And, um, yeah, then a McLaren put me off the road. Uh, so I lost all the momentum. Up that was Devlin. No, it wasn't Devlin at that time. It was a McLaren. Was it not? It was a McLaren. I, I just passed Devlin. Different, into different color and orange. I was just watching that video, actually. I, yeah, you passed Devlin on the outside. Yeah. And then he looked like he kind of squeezed you off the road and you had to Yeah, but it was, it, it was a McLaren. I'm not sure which one. They all look the same. Um, and then, yeah, I lost all momentum and lost the positions. And, anyway, then it was quite... Then I, then I think I was stuck behind Dev for a while. He was struggling a bit on pace, but he was trying to go super long. So then we boxed a little bit early, went on the blacks, and couldn't really make it work on the blacks. Um, and uh, Mr. Stingray had a fire. So at that point, I, I don't know what was going on, but uh, Mr. Rahal and I decided to box. Um, and at that point... I came back out on the blacks, I think. Uh, and, yeah, we, we, we just weren't weren't in a great position. And then I put those reds on, and that final stint, I just became a rocket ship for a while. Um, and I think I, I, I re-watched the video. I passed, like, seven or eight cars legitimately, which was quite nice for once. And, um, yeah, I had a good one. I, I mean, we, we kind of miraculously saved that race because – for most of the time, I was like between P twenty four and P twenty six. I did, I did find enjoyment, Callum, in watching your final stint into turn five every lap, because I feel like it was every lap there was another one, and 
couple of them, you were like five back when you hit the breaking zone. Some, you were a little bit closer. Yeah. I, but it really didn't, it didn't matter. You were full send to the, to the apex of the corner using the, um, the Grosjean line center off. Like, did not care. Yeah. I, 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 I had a strong car into that corner. Um, I, I was kind of weak in turn two, so... I was always just a bit further back than I'd like to be. Um, and then all these guys fuel saving, I was just able to send it. Um, I had a couple of close ones, but I just didn't, I didn't really want to waste time. So I try and get it on the inside. And if I could get side by side with them through the corner, I just press the push to pass and say, chow, chow, as they were fuel saving. Chow, chow. I love that. Hey, did you have a uh, good old Eve Touron back, uh, this weekend or is he still, uh, Still in the char- charging and recharging himself. He, he's he's on part time at the moment remotely. Um, so we had him on Zoom um, or yeah Zoom or whatever it is nowadays. Um, and uh, yeah, he, he, he's starting to, to get to get back to things. Um, he's he's probably recovering quicker than than uh, what was expected. So yeah, hopefully we'll have him back at the track for Indy road course, but I don't want him to, uh, put too much stress on himself, but yeah, it's good to, good to have his input back. That's for sure. Amen. Kirk Kirkwood. It seemed like you had, a the first normal weekend of the year, normal meaning not like crazy exceptional, did it feel like that from your end, uh, or was the weekend better than it looked, but I didn't see it? You know, our, our weekend was it was just okay. Um, you're kind of right. Um, we should have qualified further up. I, I'm an idiot. I spun out of the pits, decided to tear up my floor, and then uh, ended P12 in Q2. So uh, that was uh, that was no fun. But now, if your race engineer Jeremy said, really loved you, he would have written up a run sheet for qualifying that had all of those things on it, spin coming out of two, rip a strake off the floor, and presented that to you and said, see, no, this is actually exactly what I wanted, just to make you feel better. But he, he's he's not thoughtful like that. He's, no, he's still ripping into me about it, jokingly, of course. Um, <laughs> I mean, it was um, it's kind of funny thinking about it afterwards, but it did kind of hurt our race quite a bit. No doubt, starting from twelfth. Um, I mean, we we were looking to have a pretty solid race there. I think a lot of the guys in front of us, or not a lot of them, but a, but a, a few of them decided to to go to that three stop, right? And um, we were we were hitting a number pretty easily. Was super fast on pace on the on the alternate tires, specifically, um, kind of coming through all the guys when when they started blowing off their tires, which was Renus and um and colton specifically i think joseph as well um and i was running down dixon doing the same fuel number as them and and um catching them and then we go to the the primary tires um and we made the mistake of not doing any adjustments for it and i spent an entire stint when we had that caution feeling like i was going to spin out (laughs) the entire time so we were just slow in that middle stint um which really really hurt us and put us kind of out of a top seven, top eight contention. And, um, and yeah, so it was, it was that stint. We had a little bit of a slow stop on, on our last stop and, uh, we, we were a little bit quicker in the last stint, but not a whole lot quicker on the primaries. We were really strong on the alternates. Um, so, I mean, it was 
uneventful in that sense. Passed a few cars, got passed by a couple of cars, mostly in, in, in the pits and on strategy stuff, but um, uneventful and a lot of work to finish where we started. And the same goes for, for Colton as well. Cause he was on the same thing as us. It was actually, it's actually quite funny because uh, Colton originally, they were like, Oh, we're, we're going to three stop it for sure. And we're going to split the strategy since he's starting right behind me. And we're like, okay, great. So I pretty much told him before the race, I'm like, Hey, look, I, I know you're going to be pushing hard in the beginning to get by all these guys. Like I'm, I'll do you a favor and just let you go. Um, going into 15, I was like, Hey, I'll just do, if you're right on my gearbox, I'll just do a little bit of lift coast into 15 and you just go by me there. So I was like lap three, I practically let him by. It was kind of premeditated and <laughs> they, they switch out of that strategy. They go straight to a two stop right after he passes me. They decide to, he gets in front of me and then they instantly go to a big fuel save. And we were talking about it last night. It's it's funny now. But he actually did me some favors later on in the race. He he kind of let me buy in a couple other incidents. So um, it was just funny how how they how they did that. But I mean, it was a lot of work for for everyone, especially on our stand, um, to just get a twelfth place finish. I think a lot of people executed really well. Um, obviously, yeah. But obviously, Scott did. Roman did. Everyone in front of us did a really good job. The guys that passed us did a really good job. Um, there was not many mistakes made all day. Yeah, but now the problem is, like, going into every race, you're going to have Romad, Devlin, and Colton. Uh, yeah, uh, we're going to do nine stops. So uh, just let us go by, man. It'll be all good. Uh, you know. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> no, they're, they're they're pretty honest about that stuff. They, they, their strategy switched after they passed. He us. ain't making that mistake so, again, that's for sure. So, I mean, I... You know, I mean, okay, yeah, you have to answer because I'm going to ask the question. This is for obviously Kyle and Callum. What are your thoughts on the VK outlap situation in qualifying? Uh, oh, yeah. Because because last year, they were pitted close to us, and every single time we would leave pit lane, like, whether it was practice and qualifying, anytime it was like like a standby green situation, leave pit Tell lane. Tell folks what it was, Chris, because not we, everybody probably knows what well, happened. Well, um, so – so leaving pit lane every time last year, we would leave pit lane, stay driver's left, and get right at the crest over to two. And literally every time, he was like on the button, it felt like, to try and pass us into turn two. And then this year in qualifying on the on the outlap, everybody's trying to trying to get a good gap, and everybody's trying to get in a good position. And he just, he drives around power, then power drives around him back. And then he ends up trying to, he splits, I think, the three and the 12 between four and five, like, like, mental yeah look uh, i mean there's there's a couple of ways to look at this a, a few people do it or, or take an attempt to do it he's not the only one i think the issue with his is he did it quite dangerously because you know you haven't got a big gap between the two cars and well, he had to lift out of he had to back out of doing both of them so you know i get if everyone's lined up kind of to the side and being patient that there's a temptation to do it um the the thing is I understand that maybe Laguna, when when you're at the back of pit lane, it's super tight and you haven't got a lot of time to be able to do like a three laps and three laps on the tires. Uh, but here there was like a minute gap between between uh, the runs, so there was no there was no need to to do that. And you may as well just back up and get your own space because 
like like it was. They all started their laps way too close together because they're all pissed off with each other, and you just you just ruin the the rhythm. So it kind of shoots yourself in the foot. It shoots other people as well. So yeah, I, I I don't really see the point. But yeah, if you guys like to do it, and at the end of the day, you just annoy people and you ruin some things for yourself sometimes because someone's just gonna get you later on. Yeah, and I'll, I'll add on to that. I completely agree with what Callum's saying. For me. Renus is probably the more likely person to do it. He did it to us a few times last year, I know. Um, and it, he has a valid point that you get an extra lap by doing it, by getting to the timeline earlier, right? So, But everyone's in that position, and you don't make any friends doing it, so you're much less likely to get any favors from any of the other drivers in that situation, right? Where whereas like he passed someone and then Will was instantly diving back on him to try and get back by him. And if Will got back by him, he wouldn't have done a lap. You know, he would have been stuck on on Will's gearbox. So I mean it would have put himself in a really bad position. It's just it's just honestly risky. Like, um and people like, I, people like I'll do it back for instance, Polo did it to us, right? So the next next time that Pelot's in front of me, I'm probably going to do the same thing back to him. It's just an eye for an eye in those situations. Like I get the timing line deal, and sorry that you're parked at pit in, but like, believe it or not, like some people don't get it, and maybe there's a lot of people in the show that don't understand where we where we line up in pit lane or the order of selection for your pit box for the next race is determined based upon how you qualify the weekend before. So, like, I get it. You're buried. You're, like, pit box 25, and that's unfortunate. But, like, suck less. <laughs> Don't take that on everybody else. And I'll throw in the series side, right? Like, the series is going to come back and say, well, two things can happen in that qualifying session, right? One, if a red comes out, they're going to stop the clock now as of this year, right? So why are you so stressed about putting your banker time in there? And then two, if you want to get three laps on your reds, just leave earlier. Like, just don't only do two on your blacks like you can choose you as a team can choose what you want to do don't just blame other people right i mean the well i mean the other thing ben i'll just throw in quickly is this is something that everybody can do right uh, there's a gentle person's agreement to not try and jump each other and screw each other on the on the outlap but everybody could so i think the issue here and, and welcome to our our Race winner here yesterday, Scotty McLaughlin. Thanks for joining in, brother. And maybe you can share some insights on this. Uh, everybody can screw each other. But if the majority of folks are behaving and honoring this code, and a select number of folks aren't, I think that's where the problem comes in, where you go, we could jack you every time if we wanted to, but we're trying to actually be cool with one another. Why can't you just like subscribe to the same thing? one or two or however many of you who think you're special and can just jump people and cause problems. That's the thing that stands out to me. Uh, what are we talking about? Sorry, I, 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 I was – sorry, buddy. I was asking everybody there how they uh, interpreted the VK outlap situation in qualifying. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and I I had just covered, for your knowledge, yeah, that no, yeah, I, he, made his, he, he made his point that he got an extra lap out of it, but my, my comeback to that was – it's not our fault that you start in pit box 25, like suck less the week before and get a better pit spot. <laughs> um, I, I, I texted Renus on Saturday night and asked him sort of what the whole game plan was about that. Um, <clears throat> I sort of got 
you know, if you can do it safely and get through everyone, if you want to do that, that's your strategy. That's up to you. Um, personally, I don't love it, and Ben knows that because from a perspective of I just think it's dangerous and, you know, I've been caught too many times in bad spots that, you know, you can rip a corner off, you can do whatever. Um, you know, if, if someone doesn't see you warm up their tyres, whatever. Um, but, yeah, I, I thought he... Basically, when you get to turn seven, eight, like where we were there, there was just no point. Like that, that was half the reason why I squeezed him where he was because I was like, "What? Well, what are you doing, dude? Like everyone's going to be trying to find their spot for, you know, 11, 12 and the run to the alternate start finish line. So it, it caught me by surprise. And um, I think his team, uh, uh, speaking to Ed on Sunday, like he, I think they were surprised that he was even trying to pass us where he was. So um, I think, he, yeah. After speaking to Renus and stuff, I think he was he understood that it's probably not the right thing to do. But he, I don't think you can stop people from doing it. I think you just got to understand when, because understand when it gets to the point of um, you know screwing everyone over and for no gain. It's you just got to figure it out and just accept where you are. Well, we've uh, we, we've we've covered Kirkwood's race. We've covered Eilat's race. Your amazing race engineer covered part of your race. So congratulations on uh, on the big win. Thanks. Yeah, it was it was it was a good day, Wheeler. Um, yeah, it was very very good. So um, yeah, I was glad to have an awesome battle and just um, and bring her home because uh, I think feel like we've had reasonable pace, but just haven't really got it done. And and um, yeah, it was nice to sort of have a really sort of complete race there. Right? It was it was definitely cool to see the strategy stuff play out, right? Like everybody talks about the pre-race meetings and everybody's like, Oh, the, the three stopper just doesn't work. It's just not possible to cover the pace, but you know, people are going to do it and you have to rely on the two stopper and you know, what's your tire selection going to be on the progression of it? You know, do you, can you hold on to the reds longer than, than you think you can? Um, can you hit a number while saving on the, on the, on the primary black tires? Cause it takes forever for the fronts to come in. Like there's all these equations and you guys just said, uh, what we're doing doesn't make sense, and my driver is bored. I just let's just stand on the gas and see what happens. Yeah, it's I I beg for races like this, and Ben can probably back me up. But just to have like I don't like fuel savings, so <laughs> I, I can feel so. <laughs> I mean, and I can probably speak for Kyle and Callum and and probably everyone that's watching um, and listening. Like you know, it's uh, it, it's I don't like that sort of racing I enjoy the strategy is good but I enjoy just you know wheeling it and using car pace and, and being able to pass people and had an absolute ball sort of you know coming back through the people that were on two stoppers I think I was you know, I was battling there with Callum there for a bit and um, you know a few, a few other people come back through and it was it was fun and and then um, yeah I, I guess the one thing that out of the whole day I, I guess I was surprised with you know people saying that the, the yellow really benefited us like I mean yeah sure it probably benefited us from a a perspective of it bunched the pack up and stuff but really i came out in second and with the yellow coming out it really helped grosjean in some ways go from a, a very heavy code to maybe not as much of a code um because he was able to save four extra laps of fuel with a caution which sort of helped him drive a little bit faster and i think that allowed him to keep that 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 position on me in that second last stint so you know, he was he was really fast, but I think he would have been in a worse spot if they kept green even compared to me. Because if we kept green, we were, I don't know, Ben can back me up, but I feel like we were going to keep punching on. And with the pace that we had out front, I felt like we were, we could have even overcome. Yeah, 
in some you way. don't want a lot. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, but I, I just uh, yeah, it was I, I just thought it was um, weird some of the comments that come out that said that the uh, um, yeah that the, the yellow really benefited the three stoppers because I felt like it was the other way around, but that's that that was what I thought. <laughs> so. So I, I spotted from over on the back straightaway between 11 and 10. So I had a great a shot, a great vision point, I guess you could say, into five and all the way to six. And I just want to ask a question about following Grosjean there and that before you made that move into uh, when five, when he went a bit wide on exit. Did you notice how different his line was consistently and kind of it maybe maybe it's, it's his line. That's how he gets his speed off of five on the exit. But. Like, as that stint went on, and from my point watching it, like, it was getting more and more dangerous for him, right? His, where he drives it into the first apex so deep and runs up the track, does this, like, super late rotation, where a lot of other drivers are kind of a later apex on the first and drive off drivers left as tight as they can. Is that something that was playing through your head as you're, as you're kind of sitting there behind him, those closing laps before you, that move came? Like, and this guy's flirting with disaster out here? Uh, oh, it, 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 um, yeah, absolutely. There was a line I seen it in qualifying that he ran, and I, he ran it a bit last year, obviously, you know, battling with Graham. Um, I'm not gonna lie, I have to go. Uh, I, the big dog captain's ring me. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll be back. I'll be back. I'm sorry. See ya. Bye. <laughs> well, but the only reason that you're allowed to leave this show is because Roger Pinsky called. And Callum just left the show and came back, so maybe Roger. No, this this is life, man. Let's not be silly. I could actually, I could actually add on to that because obviously Roman's my teammate, and he was kind of doing it all weekend. Um, For whatever reason, that that tended to work pretty well for our cars. There's a lot of like, for instance, Erickson was behind me for a long period of that race where we were on the same strategy, right? And he ultimately finished in front of us after pit strategy stuff. Um, he was running that low line and I was watching him do it. And then I would try it for one lap and our cars just didn't like being down there. It's, I think it was more car specific based on the line that Roman was running. Um, I'm not sure why I just felt like we could find more grip out there. Whereas some of the guys could find grip down low. I think it, it's not, it's, I guess it's just whatever your car is doing. It, it's you just yeah, gotta drive there, right? And for people that don't understand, that maybe didn't see it, like if you can think about a sprint car track or dirt track, where the driver goes off in the corner on the bottom and slides across the track to throw a slider and sticks it on the second half of the corner on the outside to get his drive. That was the normal line for Grosjean. Like we saw Callum do it when he was shipping it in on on guys in that last stint. Um, it's kind of the preferred slider line to make a move in turn five, but not a ton of people running it as their primary line. Um, at least not. And, and, and I think Grosjean even took it a bit further. So every lap as he's doing it, I'm like, man, it's just, there's not a lot of room for a mistake was my concern. And well, that's kind of but where it there all came was just enough room for a mistake, which was great. <laughs> yeah what he did there was he he was too wide at that point i mean that was obviously over the limit where where he was he can't really do that but it's it's weird though looking at it because when i was in like junior formulas and stuff you'd watch the indy cars go super wide laguna is like a perfect perfect example of that right where guys are just wide of every apex and you're like what are these guys doing like this makes no sense 
and then you get in the car and you realize, oh man, it just makes more grip out there. Um, and kind of just opens up the exit of the corner a little bit. So it's a, it's a weird style of driving. This is something that you're just not used to, but you just drive where you make grip. Right. And that's what Roman was doing. And you could make grip pretty wide in, in that part of the corner. Uh- that's actually a perfect example there. Kyle is like uh, in Laguna, you know, before paved Laguna, the line that we run is so polished that you can work like outside of turn three there became pretty prominent this past year at Laguna because you've got uh, the aggregates just not as ground down out there on, on the pavement of like the outside of three. So people are entering higher and running a lane off the bottom basically just because there's more grip out there and so as stuff starts to get polished up and you know, like you'll find where you know where's the where's the more aggressive edges on the pavement to make more grip you know totally unrelated yeah, and, and it seems like it sorry kirk go ahead i was gonna say and to add on to that it progressively builds wider and wider as a race goes on i don't it like you're saying it's a little bit more uh there's a finer I, I guess aggregate on the inside and then it's a little bit more coarse as you get wider out i feel like our rubber kind of fills in that coarseness and you just constantly progress a little bit wider um specifically at laguna but I think potentially at barber and and specifically turn five um it's kind of it's kind of a strange way it's a strange process because you don't ever want to go out there and hit marbles and end up going super wide and off into the grass and ruining your race but if people are doing it then obviously it's clean i'm wondering now if <laughs> if mclaughlin got the call from penske because somebody was listening on one of their burner twitter accounts and he's now having to answer whether he and newgarden are really doing setting wagers for uh fastest outlaps right now so hopefully we didn't just get our guy uh, in trouble here uh, hey wheeler we got a little bit of time left do we want to uh, invite our dear guests to ask questions of uh, good old Kirk Kirkwood, Ben Bretzman, or, or Mr. Giant Arse Sale himself, Declan Brennan? Yeah, let's go. Let's hear it. We got a little bit of time left here. We're going to run only to the top of the hour, so if we don't get to you, we apologize. Um, but that's just life. I've got to go still eat dinner tonight. What is for dinner? So just give a cup, and if it's I'm taquitos, going, come going, on, man, come on. No, I'm going, but I am going to Mexican tonight. Are you making a run for the border, or are we having real Mexican? What are we doing? No, I mean as real as real as you're going to get in Cicero, Indiana. So, all right, folks, we have three. We have, hold on, we have three speakers and or three guests that just joined us, and that's going to be it and Scott McLaughlin. We will we'll let him do it too. I'll kick off a question that I actually have for Ben, right? So Eric, Eric Bressman is our technical director. What kind of rivalry or relationship do you guys have considering you guys are with the power or you're with the powerhouse team competing against each other constantly? How does that work between you two? It doesn't always. We we try to stick <laughs> stay away from racing questions around each other because it, 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 it's funny. It ultimately comes down and what I, what, I, what I learned like so obviously my brother was Scott Dixon's race engineer for four of his championships and for a long time right so I've, we've been doing this for a long time at this point now and like what you find is like each each racing organization has got different theories whether it's things about the cars or about the um, rules or you know how races are supposed to be run or how manufacturers are supposed to be used right 
Because ultimately, we hardly agree on anything. So you just try to steer really clear from too many questions on it. <laughs> so it's, yeah, it's it. It was really easy when I was doing sports cars, and he was uh, he was doing Indy cars a little bit easier. But now uh, it's definitely harder nowadays. You know, you just try not to talk too much about it during the holidays. It just ends up in fisticuffs, and you're wrong. Then, <laughs> then I would love for you guys to beat your brother on a tire choice. <laughs> Preferably taking the alternate tire choice in a heads-up race before a holiday get-together. So when yeah. you go to get your plate, you can actually pull out your own plate and say, no, no, I brought an alternate because I wanted to be better at my meal today. Yeah, like, I, just want, I, I just want you to stick it to him. So Scott, Did you get uh, yelled at any, by any, Penske about the, the wagers being placed on fastest opening time lap of the weekend? That's what we were afraid of. Uh, not, what, what, what are you guys talking about <laughs> on that regard? Uh, before you came on, there was a full revelation that there are some drivers, uh, IndyCar drivers, who, uh, who bet. Scott, bet I'm in on this. On who's going to have the fastest time lap of the weekend. And uh, uh, someone who might engineer your car might have said this is something the bus pros participated in. So I was afraid that. Roger Penske was listening to the show on one of his burner Twitter accounts and then heard that and called you and said, what are you, what is going on here? So that, that, that was the concern. Uh, no, no, that's all, that's all, that's all fantasy Fabricated. stuff, guys. Don't See, even watch that sort of stuff. Just a spot on Roger that, Penske impression that's, there. Now. That's all um, media beef. Ben is on. a terrible um, liar, but, by the way. We should say this. So um, this is all fabricated yeah, by, uh, I press on that. But I, I, I can't. I'm sorry about that. I, I, there's one call you can't really just cancel on. Um, but I remember you asking me about Grosjean's line at five, and that was ultimately one. Um, yeah, I was sort of just biding my time with that. But it, that, that line works sometimes, and sometimes it doesn't. It really depends on like the wind and stuff. It was very interesting. I was playing with it during the race, but um, but I did see him running and qualifying, so I gave it a go and warm up, and it felt pretty good. But it was also my my line that felt good too. So. It just depends on how your cars feel. Yeah, anymore. I just I thought yeah. from where from where I was spotting from, I just thought like as the race prog- progressed and that kind of that line kind of moved out, moved out slightly. It was just getting more and more dangerous. And as the laps winded down, it was like, okay, man, like you're you're on a very thin line here, very small yeah. margin for mistake. I think he um, ultimately though, like even watching the race back, I think he locked his rears anyway. So I, I don't think he actually meant to go that far because it was definitely a a point with that line if you. Almost, if you ran the white line, you were basically toast. You really needed to be like three quarter track if you wanted to make it work in some ways. And sometimes it didn't work. It just really depends. But um, yeah, when I saw him go up the inside, I was like, okay, I just need a really good exit. And just I hammered my push to pass. I saw eight, and it was right. I saw one of the most potentially wild moves of the weekend into five. It was in the closing stages. I think Peterson had just pitted for new Reds. His teammate for Ruchi's on primary black sidewall tires and 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 peterson just i mean sent it into five and he ran the grosjean line trying to throw a little slide job on santino and santino just pulled the brakes and watched him go right on by and yeah. peterson is like half on the track on exit full throttle grabbing gears i mean dirt as high as it'll spray because it's like technically clay but he found that he got so far off driver's right on the exit, he ended up in the in the, like those holes, and you just see the car just airborne bouncing. 
Oh, that oh, those curbs suck, man. Like if you get caught and, and it bottoms out, like I think a two it happens, five, like Kyle would know five, uh Kyle would know. On the thanks. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> oh no, I didn't mean that. But but you did I did see you won it too. I didn't mean that. <laughs> that was, that was well before the curb, at yeah, least. Yeah. I did see that. That was a that was a moment and a half in qualifying, big guy. I, I actually saw that after I'm like, Oh, you actually spun? I was like, Oh no. I, I actually spun. The car stalled. And I was in fifth gear. Somehow I ended up in fifth gear. I don't know. I was one slapping the wheel around, and I was able to just barely bump start it yeah, got to get there. RPMs. Yeah, and then I had to like slip the clutch in fifth gear. Probably ruin the clutch coming yeah, up so the hill. Go down gears with your like right hand. It was like there was hand. It was worst case scenario. <laughs> yeah, no, and you ripped good. the strake off. So Scotty, I forgot to mention yesterday in our little. Uh, post-race video it seemed like the day went perfect for you the only thing that didn't is i thought your knicks were on the way to victory so i stopped kind of paying stopped paying attention the last couple minutes and uh yeah miami got by and then i didn't get to watch any of my warriors game because the indycar race was on and uh uh crossed my fingers and uh pulled up ESPN and found out that my Warriors won. But any concerns for your Knicks after uh, losing the first game, or you think they're going to be able to uh, to come back? Uh, it'd be nice if we won the next one and went 1-1 before we go back to Miami. But, and, uh, yeah, we, no, but it's all right. It's all right. Long series. I'm watching the Rangers now too. So um, there's a fair bit going on in my household right now, um, sport-wise. So, uh, yeah, had a big day on the couch just watching NASCAR as well. Um, had about, I don't know, probably had a six pack of silver bullets. It was great. It was a great day. It was awesome. I had, I had a lot of fun. <laughs> so, so that's my driver. <laughs> so I, this, yeah, I, that's, we're going to, we're going to go to our questions here in just one second, but I'm going to formally, Kyle's calls already joining me, Ben and Scott. So this is your formal invitation. Now I haven't been invited to the fall classic. I'm not good enough. That's Ben's uh, postseason golf tournament. But this is your formal invitation on the Saturday after or the Sunday after the NDGP to join us on our Mother's Day Golf Classic for those people that are stuck in Indy and not with family. Are you sure that we didn't start the Mother's Day Golf Classic, Wheeler? Because I, 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 oh, I God. Be There's going. another one? And if, and if you've got a tea time, it's probably most likely to do with me because I've got a ton. <laughs> no, we're playing We're playing at a, at a private club on the north side. Oh, okay. You're well out. Yeah, no, no, no. Uh, we're playing at the Brickyard on Sunday. So. Oh, no. My group can't afford the Brickyard. Uh, come on. We're going to be. We're gonna right. have some fun. Well, well, I'll text you. Yeah. Do that. Kyle, Kyle, he can decide if we want to play North Side or, or the or the Brickyard because apparently you I, booked the course for the day. I mean, if there's a bunch of people playing and there's wagers on the line, I'm down to play the Brickyard. There's definitely going to be my clubs up here on the line. There's definitely going to be wagers on the line. Yeah. Um, so first question, well, we're going to go because he already hit the unmute button um, before he was asked to. So Tim Durham, unmute yourself, buddy. I, I do my own thing. I don't. I don't wait for permission. We know we're very we know. strict here, Tim. Very uh, strict. Very serious. I have a question. I think everybody in the IndyCar community wants to know the answer of: If Jurassic Park was real and the events from the first movie happened, but they kept the park open, how long would you wait before you visited the park? Good lord! Um, you know what? 
I, you just gotta, you just gotta. I don't even know, man. I don't. That that's just has. I'm completely bamboozled by that one. I, that that's I'm, just, I'm not going. Uh, yeah, I, I, you're not gonna go see dinosaurs. Come no. on, don't be ridiculous. I have Google. I mean, what are the odds it's gonna happen twice? You don't think they would learn anything from the first time? <laughs> They'd figure it out. You know, no, no, no. I, I, mean dinosaurs probably don't really ma- match that well. No. You get, Dex, no, Dex, you got to answer this one for us. <laughs> this is the most next question ever. It's really not. I'd have absolutely uh, no interest. I wouldn't have any interest if it was safe going. Uh, in fairness, like it's uh, why, why, why risk well, it anyway? Well, that's that's one cool thing though. Like uh, I've gone to the Everglades, like some of those like attractions in the Everglades and the airboat, and go see the Gators because I think it's safe. At least the guy that's missing three fingers told me it was. Well, on the airboat. Yeah. <laughs> you know why he's missing the fingers, right? He told me it was his ex-wife, not the game. <laughs> he's missing the fingers because he was gambling on who was the, who was the fastest outlap as well. But anyway, so can I ask a oh, question? Please. Well, I've got two, actually. Oh, based, based on his comments last year, I presume Graham Ray Hall has offered to throw himself out of the series uh, uh, after uh, nerfing people off the same way that Grosjean tried to do to him last year. So I presume he's uh, he's he's uh, both contrite and self-aware enough to realize he has to fall on his own sword now and leave the series. That's question one. And question two is, why does Robin Grosjean not understand how math and doing stuff works? Because he apparently, Richard <laughs> the Race radioed, complaining that he had no push to pass left, which to me is baffling how that's even possible. Because can anybody explain that? Well, I'm going to start on my take on the Ray Hall portion. Right. Um, I'll be honest, man. I never paid attention to the 15. I had no idea he touched another car. <laughs> Like, that's the nicest way for me to say it. I, I had no idea. That's the only reason he got screen time, in fairness, but that's that's another story. As far as push to pass, they don't let me use it, so I have no idea. That's a Kirkwood and Scott thing. I mean, when you've got Scott hunting you down, and he's way faster than you, you're very likely to burn through it all, which I assume he did in the second stint based on the pace. Well, Kyle, he had more than anybody else, basically... I think he used a ton on his on his inlap, from what I heard. So, um, right, that makes that I makes sense. In the race back, and I, I saw on his onboard um, that yeah, like you could tell that he was on the push to pass, like basically the whole lap when he was behind me. I mean, like that that adds up. <laughs> so I think you know you could burn thirty seconds by the time you get to turn five, if you wanted, or you know twenty thirty seconds. So. Um, if he was using that for the in-lap, the out-lap, I mean, Ben can probably speak up on that too. I, like, I think that's um, something that, uh, you know, we've, we've got a sheet for how long, you know, what's effective, what's not. But obviously, when you use it, all each in-lap, out-lap, it's, um, it's a pretty hefty um, for sure. They must have, then that to me says that they didn't think they had the outright speed, that he had to use it then to try to get any advantage he, ha- he could. Because surely... Logically, you would have saved some for when you were attempting to overtake him. And by the way, congratulations on the win. It was magnificent. Uh, but it feels to me like they that almost is a sign of a lack of confidence in the well, car. Well, the, the thing that, that's a little bit of a potential oxymoron is 
he was having to save fuel like considerably. So if he's hitting the push to pass button, like the DJ party horn, like lap after lap, uh, that seems to conspire against the need to save fuel. But, uh, yeah, a curious one. For yeah, sure. But that was, that was also the race, right? Like he needed to stay ahead of us. Um, and then do what he could, right? That was, that was the race that, that exchange right there. So it was, you know, you know, you're going to burn a lot. You're going to find lap time, right? You're going to use push to pass for lap time to, to try to win the race and get that track, track position. And the overcut's stronger in some ways. Yeah. Yeah. Um, where are we at here? Chris, unmute yourself. All right. Well, first of all, I can't answer Tim's question because I've never seen Jurassic Park. Come um, on. In honor. No, that's not possible. Dude, I've never seen Jurassic Park. I've never seen a James Bond movie. I've never seen uh, any Lord of the Rings, Star Trek, or Clint Eastwood movie. I've seen, I haven't seen a lot when, of movies. When anyway, did you join Al-Qaeda? Al-Qaeda? I'm just going to say. When did you join Al-Qaeda? All the things you just mentioned. Yeah. I had what? no idea, Chris, all these years that you were a communist because Clint Eastwood is America. <laughs> I would argue Chuck, with today being May 1st, Chuck Norris more so because of the Delta no, no, Force no. theme. Clint, Clint Eastwood would literally – anyway, we'll talk about this later. Okay, so in, in honor of our friend Wolfgang coming back to Indy this year, I have two questions. Uh, the first one being, if you are watching the NHL playoffs, who are you supporting? And uh, who are you supporting? My second question is, I made a video about this on Twitter. Um, I found a gas station that sold fireworks on my way back to Indy. So, for anyone who wants to answer, what is the craziest thing you've ever seen on a race car road trip? Well, I can't answer the road trip because there's fam- this is a family show, Chris. It's in the um, title, Chris. <laughs> Come on, man. But it's in the title. Um, and I'll, I'm not – like, this is a take that a lot of people aren't going to like. Like, they're not. And I'm sorry, but I'm me. And the best part about hockey playoffs is it means it's almost done. <laughs> Yeah, I could give a fart about hockey, but uh, McLaughlin said he's watching. So, or um, yeah, I I think Willie, you either support someone that's really bad, or you just don't like hockey. Is that what what it is? To be fair, I think Alex Ovechkin is phenomenal with the puck, and for that reason, I will support the Capitals when it's when it's a thing. Otherwise, like my whole goal would be like if Calgary could come win the Stanley Cup, like the biggest turnaround uh, ever. If you come out next year and you're like tweeting about NHL NHL playoffs, I'm just going to tweet fraud back at you for the well, whole. Well, you didn't follow me back today when I followed you, so yeah, I don't you, think you're going to see it. Look, I just look. I'm very specific with who I follow. Yeah. and uh, but you you did like my tweet though, and that made my day. I know. I do like I like tweets of people that I don't follow. <laughs> <laughs> but um, what was the other question you were talking? Oh, Rangers. Yeah, no, I'm a big Rangers, a road trip. I'm a huge hockey fan, and yeah, I agree. I'm. Uh, road trip. I don't really know. I've seen stuff, and yeah, I'm from. I'm basically from Australia, so if you if you've seen something, you've seen it all down there. That's for sure. I can give a real quick one here. Pruitt will probably live this. So when I worked for a poor IRL team back in the day, we used to drive from Indy to Texas, and then from Texas to Pikes Peak, and then from Pikes Peak back to Indy, and in uh, Armarillo, Texas, which is between driving from Fort Worth to pikes peak international they got the the big texan there and you gotta try to eat a 72 ounce steak 
a completely mat loaded baked yep. potato in there that complete loaf of bread and you sit on a stage and you got a clock and you got to do it in under an hour it's one of the most impressive things to watch so did you do it like did you complete it no not even attempted it's i, I you'd have to train for years like you got to be able to drink a gallon I, of milk in an hour after a race uh, i can i can eat like uh, i could eat a horse so i did like i feel like i could have a big run of that no doubt I'm a big boy, man. Yeah. Well, I'm actually. If you've seen the wait list sheet, and Ben certainly has, I'm like the fourth driver from the bottom on that bad boy. So, like, uh, we're, we're going strong on the heavy side. Any feedback, by the way, now that we've had the public debut of a hundred days to indie of the uh, Joseph Newgarden OnlyFans segment uh, towards the beginning? Um, his little glistening, sweaty, flexy workout thing. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we've—I even got a question in this week's racers mailbag about his little OnlyFans segment. So, um, man, there were some interesting production choices in episode one. Uh, I can tell you that for sure. Yeah, the look—he's—he—that—that uh, he, that bloke—he works very hard. Um, he's fit, man. You got to give it to him. And uh, yeah, I've—I think we've just swapped roles. He's got the kid, but I've got the dad bod. So <laughs> it's um, just hey. I just I just saw a commercial on my Instagram before this show about the dad bod t-shirt and I ordered one so I'll let you know um if it fits better than a regular t-shirt. Dad bod. Nothing wrong with it. Um so down to two questions. Gray, you're gonna be up next and Alex will close. So Gray, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Uh I just had a quick question. As I was watching the race on Sunday, the commentators toward the end of the race, especially when uh Will, Will Power was closing in on Grosjean. They were uh, pointing out the f- is is there an extra physicality um, factor to the three stop over the two stop at Barber? Um, yeah, I kind of wanted to know: is it like more physical for you throughout the course of the race? It, I mean, for me, for sure. I think because um, it's basically you know you just do a ninety qualifying laps. You're driving as hard as you can, so. Um, I've done the last two years, 21, 22, I did two stops here and for sure I found it completely a lot easier um, than, you know, you, 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 I reckon it's, your heart rate's probably 20 beats per minute lower on average on a two-stop strategy. Depends if you're battling full-on and whatnot. Um, but the three-stop then I was, yeah, I think I was, um, yeah, I peaked out 170, 175 on my whoop and it was like an average of sort of 150-odd throughout the throughout the race for a good two hours so it's it's a it's a tough old slog but adrenaline's a wonderful thing as well so i wasn't really feeling it you don't really feel it until probably an hour after the race and you only get like two or three silver bullets if you do a two stop but you get a whole six pack as you rightfully deserve yeah. today for yeah. you get a six pack and, and and a pizza and a pizza please tell me what yeah. kind don't tell me it was frozen just, just cheese pizza, man. From down the road, there's a real, there's a New York type place called Tony's Pizza around the corner from my joint, and it's, uh, it's deluxe. It is deluxe, best thing ever. Once again, that's my Good driver. Man. Yeah, well, I'm serious. Like you know, it's an old stereotype, <laughs> so, Scott. You know, long before you got here about, you know, NASCAR. That that those are the real drivers. IndyCar, that's all wine and cheese and elitist. And I'm like, nah. What what does Scott McLaughlin do after? crushing things at barber i don't know crushes a six pack of beer and has a pizza like it's just the way it well, I, am, I, am back. 
I'm back in the gym tomorrow and, and I do work hard, I promise you. But uh, I, I uh, definitely, when we win, I always said that we have fun when we win and that's, that's all part of it. you got to enjoy it. So um, real quick before Alex's question, um, I have one for Ben and Scott. Now, Ben, the USGA has you a 15.6 on your handicap index, but your driver is playing at a 9.5. Do you, who do you think will will reduce their handicap throughout this calendar year the most? Is Scott going to get it down to a seven, or are you going to be able to get down sub ten? Go out. <laughs> uh, right. Well, I've got a current two game winning streak on Scott right now. Yeah. Um, gross, not net. So I think I think I've got I've got more potential probably. No doubt because his, his is pretty low. So. Well, if the car's good. That means his handicap's going to come down for sure, <laughs> and then. Uh, but he's been playing very well, Wheeler, and uh, he's been cleaning me out. My wallet is is uh, is is very light now because of Ben, and uh, but we have a ball doing it. It's fun, but he's he's definitely coming into form. But I feel like times, I've, you know, I've just got myself a new set of clubs. I'm 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 feeling it right now. I am, and, and summer's coming. I'm very excited. May's coming. I'm going to be out on that golf course so much over the month. It's going to be awesome. Well, I'm a I'm a 24-3, and my goal for the year is to get to an 18. That's good. If you get to 18, I I, I respect anyone that can get to 18. I think that's that's a you know shot a hole, very respectable. Um, can win plenty of money from there, absolutely. Ben, I'm Chris. Yeah. Nearly shot a hundred on the front nine last week. Bro, we Golf. played nine holes. I shot a I shot a 51. That's not bad. I'll, like, look, you know, that that that's a that's a 24 handicapper right there. Oh, you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm a, I'm a dangerous get, 24. I've, I've, had, you, I've had two birdies this year. That's good. I've also had seven quad bogeys. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, I think my my, my engineer, yeah, he's he's in, in form right now. He's in big form. Ben, I'm wondering if you're going to need to get like what they have at restaurants these days with the little uh, – you check in and you get the little vibrating disc to let you know when your, your seat's ready. I'm feeling like you need one of those from McLaughlin during the month of May because if you're going to be down for an hour or two in the garage, kind of feel like he's going to be wandering over to the brickyard there with his clubs. So, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna get to specifics to protect the innocent, Marshall. But we may or may not all have this this app, and we all know when the other one's playing golf. So I, I think Ben's safe. I think Ben knows exactly what's going on. You guys are ridiculous, but I love you. <laughs> um, Alex, final question of the night. Good evening. So my Hello. question comes with the the very shortest uh, preamble to it. Uh, on Saturday, I got to go up to the Speedway because I'm working the college program this summer. And we had uh, training. We had training orientation with Safety Patrol. And when we went up to media fourth media center fourth floor for, for like our more specific stuff, we all walked in. We all sat down. I looked to my right, and what's next to me? But the reserved seat for Robin Miller, which was really cool and not at all what I was expecting to see. But my question is that where I'm going to be working college program and I've signed up for several days that weren't on my original schedule. So I'm going to be up there for the majority of the month. 
if I have any longer stretches of downtime and I get to wander around, do you all have like your what's your all's like favorite hidey holes? Like little spots you can just go and watch the cars, just stand, listen to the track. Where's your spot? Oh, That's what I'm curious I'm stuck, about. I'm stuck in the same spot. I'll be at the top of turn one. It's the only place they let me go. That's good. Uh, I personally I find if you can wait around and like to the end of the day and there's nothing on and all the teams have gone home, there is like that's one of the coolest things is like I normally walk the dog the night before the race and um, go up to the grandstands uh, on the inside of or sometimes inside of um, one or uh, depends how big how how much energy I got but just go and soak it in it's like so amazing like watching sun come down listen to the people on the outside smelling fire from the campers it's um it's it's legit it's one of the coolest things so fully uh if you're going to hang around and, and, and be there after the teams are gone, that's certainly one of the coolest things. I got to take uh, Marcus Armstrong down to turn one on the outside during the open test. And it was just amazing, Scott, seeing the look on his face. I mean, here's a guy who's blasted through, you know, Eau Rouge in an F2 car at a million miles an hour and carved through Monaco and, you know, uh, Armstrong is no stranger to crazy speeds and harrowing things. And it was just phenomenal seeing the look on his face. I put up a little video of it. And yeah, he was like, cool. he was like a child seeing Santa yeah. Claus for the first time. I, like, I've never been like that close to the track before. Um, I remember when I did my first, my ROP test at Indy, um, I went up, to, I was in turn three and um I was actually it was one of the still one of the coolest pictures I got at home. I think I've told you about it about me and Mears and the and the grandstand. Yeah, it's so badass. But the um, that was one of the coolest things. But I'd love to get close to like where he he was. I might watch the um refresher session. That'd be cool to go and just check it out because I I haven't been that close to the um. I went. I remember when I came over for this the hundredth running. I watched on the outside of one on the entry. Um. Uh, just in the grandstand just before the freedom 100 race and um that that was cool to experience and see that on carb day with the final practice but um yeah well, i'll, I'll yeah. grab you yeah because same thing like i'm not going to have much to do during the refresher because uh, i think it's just going to be rc Anderson. but um yeah uh, we'll we'll huddle up and yeah and kirkwood if you want to come as well like it's just one of those things you got to do at least once because uh, there's I, no place else on earth. Like literally, yeah. that's not an overstatement. There's no place else on earth as amazing and brutally frightening as the so, exit of turn one. There was there's a former IndyCar team owner who his little secret spot was the actual gate opening entry to turn one driver's right. Um, and he became friends with uh, with the yellow shirt that was there for years, and um, so like there's there's barricades there like you can't get to the gate, but when your buddies at the yellow shirt for all these years you can. So like when he would have sponsors come out for the track in May or potential sponsors, he'd cruise around on the golf cart during practice and he'd walk in and you know Bob would open the gate up for him and they would get right up against the fence right at the track opening, right. I mean it's it's literally right when the car starts to peel off, and um, that was pretty pretty badass. But you guys remember like back, you know, 20 years ago, you used to, during practice, when we'd have all the extra time, if you weren't running, you'd walk out at the, you know, 
between the track and pit lane, you know, where the signboard guys were, I'd do that every year. And you got a guy going 226 feet from you with no protection, <laughs> right? You're like, this I've is the most it. crazy thing ever. <laughs> I've done it. Like, it was, it's one of the coolest things ever was, was, was on those practice days, being able to go down there and see it. And funny enough, one of the craziest things I've ever witnessed was Nikki Hayden doing the promotion for the first ever MotoGP event at IMS. Wow. And Morgan Lucas was standing there with us in a group and Hayden's doing all this promotion stuff on track. We're in the trench, the old signboard trench. And Hayden comes by like a buck 40 looks at us and just lifts the front end of the bike up and just rips down the front stretch of the speedway. And Morgan Lucas guy who ran three fifty and a quarter mile looks at this group. And he's like, I'm, I'm weak. Like I, I don't feel as manly as I did 30 seconds ago because I can't do that. I would never do that. It was pretty cool. Alex, I'll, I'll throw in one other one other idea for you. And this is more practice days at Indy leading up to qualifying. There's a somewhat of a narrow time window where the place is not particularly full of people. Yellow shirts aren't flooding the place. I find that outside the track, uh, honestly, it's up where you might see a wheeler or other spotters uh, turn three. On the outside of the track, in and around turn three, obviously don't go anywhere. You shouldn't. Uh, but there are some pretty cool little nooks and crannies you can find in there, uh, maybe even beneath the grandstands, where you can get close-ish to the fence to see the cars. And, yeah, it's kind of just a largely unpopulated area the first couple days of practice, and it is phenomenal so that would be my little if you get a chance and the time works out for you go wander around turn three uh outside cool stuff to be seen and with that wheeler i think your taquitos or whatever it is uh you're gonna have for dinner uh, we need to get you on the road there and yeah. uh, Scott, scotty probably has a little bit of time left on his well-deserved cheat day before he's uh, back in the gym and Kirkwood, uh, I'm not sure what Kirkwood's got to go do, but uh, he's got stuff to do for sure. Well, so, Well, folks, it's once again that time here on the Racing Family Show where we look back at our time together. And as we look back at our time together, we're going to use our friends in the Thirsty Threes and their triumphant victory yesterday at Barber Motorsports Park for today's life advice. Don't just follow the train of people around you and do it because that's what they are telling you should be done. And don't feel like you have to. If you want to put your head down and just go for it, do it. Push yourself. If you've got a dream, chase it. If you've got something you want to go see, go see it. If you want something to, if you want to say something to somebody, just say it. Don't sit there and lie and just say feel with everybody else around you. Um, look, man, the weather's great. We're golfing. Our handicaps are dropping down. Don't let that consume you too much. Don't forget to reach out to those people that you care about. Don't forget to reach out to your loved ones and your friends because, as always, that one message, that one phone call could change their day, their week, their month, their life. You never know what those people are going through. Um, you know, honestly, life is not that difficult in, in reality. You know, we can minimize some risks here. We can push some things there. We can do a lot of things to make life pretty enjoyable. But one of the key factors in this is really simple. Don't be a dick. You manage that, I think you're going to be okay. So on behalf of my esteemed co-host, Marshall Pruitt, our amazing set of guest speakers and question askers and followers and friends here tonight from the bottom of my heart. I'm Chris Wheeler. 
Thank you so much for joining us on the Racing Family Show, and we will see you down the road. And hey, we got Dave Duzik and Chris Pantani here too. So uh, love that, y'all. That's fair. That's and fair. Dusik Dusik sobered up for his birthday long enough to join us. Thank you, Dave ah, and Chris. Hey, thanks for for housing them. Yeah, and I we know Dave Dusik. So you know, the only thing we don't have are shirts proving that. But uh, to all y'all, thanks for joining in this week. We'll see you next. Congrats again, Scotty and Ben. That was just a mud stomp and extraordinary. That was so cool. Uh, and uh, a big bow, 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 bow to everybody. Bow, bow, bow. See ya.